All right, and we are live. Hi, Scott. Vishan, how are you? Croaky I'm doing voice. good, buddy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Got a bit of a quirky voice. Has... <laughs> yes, quirky voice for a even more quirkier subject of what you'll be sharing soon. So no. let's get this started. Let's start with you. What do you straight, have for us today? Straight, straight into it. Okay, cool. Well, yeah. um, I'm going to talk about sleep training, and so. The last time we talked, mm. I think, I mm. think I can't remember the last time we we had a chat. Hang on, I'll just adjust my microphone here. Mm. But to to give you the lay of the land, basically, um, going back to this is all about Louis. So basically, seat training, and since about four months, Louis had just been yeah not sleeping well at all. So we'd sort of put him down about seven p.m. And he would maybe do three-hour stretch if we're lucky, four-hour stretch at most, actually, if, if we're lucky, sorry. Um, and then he would be up sort of every two hours after that. So he'd sort of mm. – he'd wake up and then, you know, we'd bring him into bed with us and soothe him and, and stuff like that. And then Charlotte would feed him and then he would sort of wake every two hours and just sort of roll around and look for mum to soothe him and she'd feed him again. And that just went on until morning time basically. And um, it was hard, man. So from from four months until he's almost nine months now, and it been going on for sort of four months. And so then he he was overtired, like always overtired, because he just wasn't getting that that proper sleep throughout throughout the night. And then so that affected his day naps, and he would maybe sleep half an hour at most, um, mm. forty minutes, that kind of thing. Um, and then it just continued. And then Charlotte. Obviously, she was not getting any rest, um, and so she was overtired as well. And so, it's just it was just this chronic cycle of overtiredness. And so, you know, Charlotte couldn't sort of take a nap when he would nap because it's like a baby when when they're tired, they can't nap properly, right? And so, yeah, you know, it's it was just this huge this vicious cycle. Um, and we were kind of you know just wondering what the hell we can do, you know. And so, um, I was still getting up to work um tired tired is all all get out um getting to work doing what i had to do come home back with the kids again so look anyway we started investigating sleep training um and charlotte actually got a referral through her doctor for this place called uh what's it called again ellen barron and so ellen barron over here in australia is it's basically like a hospital for um, it's, I think it's, I think it's run by midwives, but it's run by um, people who are specialized in training and, and sleep training and stuff like that. So you go to this, this place, it's like a, I think it's in a hospital. You go to the hospital, mm. you go there with your child and they teach you how to settle, help settle your child. And so they monitor you all night long, all night, all day. And I think you go for five days and mm. they, mon- they monitor you overnight kind of thing and help you to settle and <clears throat> being away from your child and being okay with it. Anyway, we're on the list for that and that wasn't happening until August and we thought, look, we've got to do something sooner. And so we ended up finding like a sleep consultant, just a um, private sleep consultant, and it was a 14-day um, sort of stretch. And so... Basically, she came to our house first and had, we had a meet up with her and she just talked about Louis and, and what we can do and what, what his sort of sleep patterns were at the moment. And then she 
works through like a Google Doc or, or like an Excel spreadsheet kind of thing. And so she's tracking all of his wake-ups, his sleeping, um, mm. you know, his feeding, that kind of stuff and, and what's happening there. And so we had to put sort of all this data in for his feeding, his sleeping, his wake times. And then she went in and she said, right, yeah, like, let's try and tweak this. So the first thing she said is let's separate the feed from the sleep. So he doesn't go to bed like uh, basically just after having a feed, like because Charlotte breastfeeds. So mm. we're going to separate that a little bit, at least half an hour. So let's, let's separate that. And then let's start to put him down. And what we're going to do is we're, we're, the goal is to try and have him to self settle. Mm. And so that can take however long it takes. So what we do is you stay in the room with him. And if he's, if he sort of kicks off, then you're there, you, you're soothing him, you do whatever you need to do. You can pick him up, you can pad him, you can give him the bum wiggle, you can sing to him, you can do whatever you want, right? But <clears throat> the goal is he goes back down and then he has to start to settle himself somehow. So it could be sucking his thumb or he could have like a, yeah, a doll or whatever it is that, you know, in, in his crib or whatever. But mm. You stay in there until it happens. So it was like an hour and a half, two hours before he started actually self-settling. And this is just in the night as well. So we would get up, you know, he would sort of go down, he'd wake up after two hours and then we'd be in there with him. And it was like two hours later before he went to bed. And so this happened for the first couple of nights. And then what happens is she looks again at the data. So every morning you're putting in data. Okay. This is when he went to bed. This is how long it took. This is his feed when it woke up. And so then from there, basically you're starting to extract yourself from the room. So what is hopefully happening is, is it's getting shorter and shorter the time it takes for him to settle. And then you're, when you put him down, you're not taking as long to settle him. And so the gap starts to increase. So I think it was after maybe day four or five, he did like a six hour stretch. So we put him mm. down, soothed him. Then he went to bed six hours later, he woke up and then we came in and we, we did the whole settle thing for another. And, but then, you know, that whole resettling took about an hour and a half again. So he's kicking off for an hour and, a, and it's, it's, it's hard work, man. Like if you've, you know, when, when your kid's crying, when your child is crying, your instincts are just like, I need to be there. I need to settle this, this child, you know, and it really, it really gets you in the heart. And so I guess from there, it was like things started popping up too, where you could start to distinguish his cries. So a cry for mom was different to a cry for I'm tired. And then like a cry for, all right, I'm starting to soothe myself. It started to sort of pop up these three distinct cries, which is pretty interesting. So anyway, got to, yeah, like I think we had a bit of a dip in there again, but then yeah, after sort of 10 days in, he's, he started sleeping. We put him down. Actually, that's the other thing that the sleep specialist said, look, you're going to have to start putting him down earlier now. So we put him down at 5.30 and then he'd wake up 4.30 in the morning. And then Charlotte would come in and give him a feed and he'd go back down to like 6.37. So this, this stretch started happening and, and right up until now, we put him down anywhere from, it depends what his last sleep was. Like, so they, during the day, they talk about three hour windows. So a nap during the day, 
every three hours he has to sort of go down. And then the last sleep dictates when he goes down at night. So if he's up at, let's say, three in the afternoon, then he needs to go to bed by 5.36. So basically he goes to bed at 5.30 now and he's up at like 4.35 in the morning. So we're getting these huge sleeps. And if he does wake up, he can settle himself down. So it's it's actually the best money that we've ever, ever spent because <laughs> <laughs> We're sleep. Everyone's sleeping out. Louis so much happier. Charlotte mm. is so much happier. She's more attentive as a mum. She can now be there for our needs. Um, yeah, as a mum, and that's what she wants to be there for. You know, to take care of us as a family. And she's also more engaged with Violet now. More engaged with Louis. Louis more. Louis happier, and he's just getting sleep. You know, so it's definitely the best money we've ever spent um, in terms of that for our family. Yeah. And that was, mm. I guess that's the important point. It's, it's dependent on your family needs. And I guess for us, the other thing that was on the horizon was Charlotte's work. She's got to get back to work next month. So it's, you know, nine months she's been at home and she wants to take more off, but unfortunately our, our circumstances dictate that we can't. And so we both have mm. to work. She's going to go back two days a week. And so that need for Louis to be settling, to be sleeping was really important for us, you know? So it was definitely a godsend. Um, but mm. uh, look, it, that also leads into another topic, which I'll talk about a bit later where, you know, this, I guess the culture that we're living in now kind of for, you know, in a way it forces these unnatural habits onto us. Um, but Hey, look, I'll chat a bit about that later, but, um, Happy to throw it over to you for your thoughts. What What do you think, um, Rashad? And did you have a similar experience with Adira? Yeah, yeah, with Adira, I have many stories. I think so. A few episodes are dedicated to her sleep stories. <laughs> sleep yeah. stories for sure. Uh, but a couple of things, uh, Scott. Just make sure you keep the bill very safe and hand it over to Louis when he's 18 years old, okay? <laughs> <laughs> this is your inheritance, Louis. This is your inheritance and uh, you can share your bank account details and all that stuff so he can transfer the money into your exactly. account at exactly. a compounded interest rate of 25% or whatever. That's a Put great some idea. Random... <laughs> Absolutely great. Yeah. I mean, maybe we could chuck it on some Bitcoin or something like that and just see it just fly yeah. up. <laughs> Uh, don't depend too much on Bitcoin. He could scam you very easily on that. True. So yes. you, you better go in for hard cash or yeah, you will true. lose your sleep. Oh, you will lose your sleep over Bitcoin. It's true, yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, Scott, uh, here's the thing. See, in terms of um, my stories with Adira's uh, sleep, uh, I think so it's been well documented. But at this, at, at this moment when you're sharing this experience for... Uh, new parents, um, what are the top three things they should keep in mind before hiring a sleep coach? How do they decide upon a sleep coach for um, their child? Mm. Like, what was your thought process? What were, what did you search mm. on Google? Whom did you call? What what is the process? Just just ah, take okay. us through like step by step process of sure, yeah, yeah. So basically, it just came down to you know, reading up about them. Like, so they, they've all got their own sort of about page and whatnot. And so we actually went, we contacted another one 
and you get like a free, you know, 15 minute consult with them to see if you're a fit. So before that, before that, Scott, before you okay. get into uh, the, the consulting call, right? how did you learn about the concept of a sleep coach and what mm. made you believe that you definitely need a sleep coach and uh, what made you feel comfortable that you would want an outsider to come in and train you mm. as parents in how to be parents, um, mm. you know, how to be good parents uh, yeah. to a child who needs to sleep better. Like what is the thought process there? I guess, I guess it came down to the fact that we didn't have that. Um, we didn't have that sort of grandparent that was there that could come mm. and give us that kind of, I guess, hand down that knowledge um, mm. of, and because Violet was a, a good sleeper from the get go, you know, we we're really lucky with Violet. Um, mm. We we just, she just slept and she'd always slept, you know, and so with Louie, it was it's completely different, and that kind of threw us off because. Yeah, everybody's talking about, oh, the second child's so much easier, man, so much easier. In some ways it is, but in some ways it's not, right? And so yeah. they're all different. Um, and in Louis's area, it was just sleeping, you know, because he, he loves his mum. He's a mummy's boy. And I guess what, what took us down that road was, looking back on it now, um, is that we got caught in a trap of, you know, like settling him. Like so mm. Charlotte always having to settle him. And so, you know, and that was at night time at two in the morning when you're just absolutely buggered, you haven't been sleeping. The natural thing to do is just to bring him into bed and let him sleep with you, right? And then, you know, she would offer up milk to him all the time. And that was his, yes, okay, great. I'm with mum, I'm settled, everything's great, you know? And so that just kept compounding and just, he just, that was his habit. He just learned that habit that mm. to get to sleep, he had to have mum. And so I guess what, I guess it was out of desperation, really, is what made us look for alternatives. We're not, <clears throat> we didn't get that sort of, yeah, like I said, that knowledge passed down from grandma and grandpa um, of mm. try this, try that. Um, unfortunately, that's just how it is. Um, and I guess even, like, to be fair to them, they probably won't even remember what happened mm -hmm. back in their day, you know, so... We just started looking around for alternatives. I, I think we just heard the, the term sleep coach somewhere or sleep consultant or whatever, or actually through that Ellen Barron that I was talking to you about. So you have to mm. have a, a doctor's re um, referee, like a referral um, oh, okay. and to get to go to this Ellen Barron because, you know, look, Charlotte's going through postnatal depression as well. And so her doctor was like, look, we've got to do something here. And so um, basically, that was kind of like, I guess that's the sort of last resort. You go to this place and they, they look after you. It's kind of like when you had a baby, you go to the place and then all the nurses are around to help you out in the hospital before you mm. go home, right? And then you've got to implement that all yeah. at home. And so I think yeah. I found a book online that was like, you know, about sleep training your baby and there's different ways of doing it. There's the cried out method. There's the padding method there's all these different methods right once you start exploring it, it's like wow okay there's there's different ways of doing things um to settle your baby and so where mm. we were sort of middle of the road there it wasn't let him cry it out it wasn't too soft it was it was sort of this stage approach um but yeah look i think getting back to your question it's more about 
your needs what's going on at the moment in your life you know like i can mm. it's not a it's not a blanket approach like if your child's not sleeping after three months you've got to contact these people it's just look yeah. at ways of tweaking things but that also comes back to your circumstances like i said mm. yeah if if you are overrun and if you don't have that help it's it, it gets really hard to sort of you can't see the forest for the trees because you're stuck in this rut with no sleep, you're not regulating through sleep, which is so important. And, you know, you're looking after another child like we are and you're trying to work, you're trying to get them to kindy, you're trying to do the shopping, you're trying to clean the house, you're trying to do all these things just to keep your head above water. And then if you get sick, that throws in this this whole other ball game, right? So, yeah, I, I, I just think it has to come back to you and what you need and what your family needs Mm. That's all. I guess that's all I can say. Did that kind of answer your question? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Because the catch word over there was uh, desperation, and that is what I was looking to hear from you. Mm. Because um, some of the most toughest decisions in our life, across uh, across different phases or different stages of our life, uh, we act out of desperation. It is not necessary that that is the ultimate. uh answer to all your problems but it is the start to you discovering because you are letting in new wisdom you are letting in new knowledge come in and mm. as it suits you as it pleases you as it suits you you uh, become more enriched um uh, more spiritually higher or more uh wise uh to take the next 10 steps in a much more better way so uh yeah so many people might not be in um you know they might not even know that there's such a thing called a sleep coach for kids that's a very hyper it's crazy you know, isn't it not kids babies actually yeah babies yeah. we're not even talking about kids we're talking about babies yeah so um and um even if it is there many people might not have the financial access to it uh, so what you shared today over here is like pretty simple um uh tips in terms of just start tracking and just start to understand mm. um how your kid is uh, responding to different activities that are spread across the day and for them it is just one core activity which is you know feeding them and the other one could be probably cleaning them up after they uh they do their uh, soiling activities you know yeah so, yeah so <laughs> yeah, so uh, it is just understanding that and probably uh, scott if you could uh, share the t- uh, name of the book also we could put it uh, somewhere in the description where uh, you know people can read up about it there are today there are many materials uh, yes. that you can uh, uh, look up and uh, you know enlighten yourself on the concept of um, yeah i'll definitely get i'll get uh, that before the, yeah i'll get that before the day is out but also i just want to say look it's not for everybody and so mm. this is definitely not for everybody because it like i said yeah. you have to there's times where you got to let your child cry right yeah. and so some people are down hearted. with that it's not for the faint hearted hey some people are down yeah. with that and i understand yeah. totally why um but for us it's like either we kept going in that downward spiral not knowing what to do because we did try certain things we read that book and we tried certain ideas through it but they sort of rebounded on us and we were like okay where to from here you know and so yeah, like yeah. i said it came to desperation times 
And mm. it just meant that we can now function as a family in our way. Yeah. And so, yeah, yeah. It's, it's definitely not for everybody and I totally understand why. So, yeah. Um, mm. Yeah, I think it's... So in the short term, in the short term, uh, this, this entire concept is like you're buying... Uh, the short term gain is your child sleeps better. The long term gain is that you buy back your sanity. Exactly. You, you buy do, back your peace of mind. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So unless and, and until you're not peaceful and you're not balanced, uh, you can't uh, help your child. Uh, so uh, yeah. I think so. it's it's the best decision. Uh, hopefully the best decision that you'll have uh, uh, done in your life uh, after Louis, um, you know, entered in. Uh, so yeah. yeah, kudos to that. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Look, I just found the name of that book. It's called The Helping Baby Sleep Method. The Art mm. and Science. The, hang on, hang on, let me go back there. The Art and Science. Let me see that. Here we go. The Helping Baby Sleep Method, The Art and Science of Teaching a Baby to Sleep by Dr. Sarah Mitchell. So that's the book that we Dr. read Sarah first. Dr. Sarah Mitchell. Yeah, okay. that's, that's the book that we read first. And, then, and she's got some really mm. good concepts in there. Um mm. Yeah, but I guess what the sleep consultant did as well is it kept it kept us accountable, and so there was like, okay, we've we've invested in this, we've got to go through with this, and then also too, it's like, okay, this wasn't working, and then she would come back with some tweaks and said, right, try this, try that, and and also her, we we um we chose her because of her background too, so she's got four kids and she was a midwife, and so. Mm. We met her, and and that was enough for us to say, okay, this 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 person has the credentials. I think that we need four kids is pretty good for me. And we're like, yep, we'll choose her. <laughs> so yeah, she must be doing something right. Not two, not three, four is what four. we need. The yeah. big four. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Superb, uh, Scott. Yeah. I um, uh, I love the topic of sleep because uh, ultimately. Uh, when we wake up in the morning, any one of us, be it the child, be it us adults, uh, if we wake up in the morning in a groggy state, in a miserable state, 99% chances are you have had something to do. It, it has got something to do with your sleep. Mm. And um, if you go back 10 steps even more further, it could be your sleep uh, that's been disturbed uh, the day before, the day before that, or the events that happened between the uh, sleep that has caused you to not sleep properly. So anyways, yeah. this is like, um, uh, I, I think some people are going to get a lot of uh, little um, nuggets of wisdom and a lot of ideas uh, to sleep train their uh, little ones. So Scott, that was great. Yeah, so, no, definitely. Scott, I have this, I have this thing, fresh baked, uh, material uh, from the today morning, right? Yep. Yeah, straight out of the oven from right today morning. So, see the the concept is giving control to your kids when you want them to learn something new, when you want them to learn something complex, when you want them to learn something profound, mm. right? And when I'm using these. Uh, words it's it's not necessarily spiritual or not necessarily uh, you know some pseudoscience kind of thing it is something practical when you need to teach them how can you give control to them so here's the thing imagine this scott you're super passionate about something like being a professional water rafter uh, you're sure. out there hitting you're out there hitting the ocean almost every day now 
being a a great rafter isn't just about uh, the thrill of riding the waves it's about building a bunch of other skills along the way that can be useful in all different areas of your life so let's take a closer look at what happens when you choose to become an awesome water rafter first off you got to be on time you got to be ready to go with your crew so that means that you're working on your time management skills and of course safety is a top priority you've got all your gear loaded up so you drive carefully to keep yourself and your team safe but it's not just about you sometimes your teammates might have a rough morning and they might show up late so you got to be kind to them too you have to be understanding you have to be giving them a break and when you're out there on the raft you have to got to keep yourself sharp quick witted and making smart decisions to avoid the rocks and keep yourself and everyone else safe so in the pursuit of becoming an amazing rafter you're actually picking up a bunch of other skills along the way so this morning i shared this very same example with my daughter it was early in the morning and we were exchanging our morning greetings like uh, you know good morning and kisses and all that so uh, later in the day while having lunch i asked her to explain this whole thing to my wife and i gave her control in such a way i said uh, adira um, no i didn't say adira i said uh, ashwini did you did you hear adira mention about this new thing that she learned in the morning about uh, skills and uh, uh, gaining multiple skills did you hear that so my wife said no i haven't heard it uh, so i told then adira do you want to do you want to tell that to amma do you want to tell that to your mom and just when i told that she did it she tre- she treated that whole material like a storybook narrative and she told it almost 80% in the right order there were 20% here and there the order was mismatched yeah. the examples were mismatched sure. uh, the tonality was a little over the place but she got the uh, concept so when i treated her with respect assuming yeah what she understood what, like what i said to her she nailed it so so we have to remember that when our kids need to learn something we need to give them control this is something that i learned uh, mm. today but in a different way and yeah. when they have to learn something deep when they have to learn something profound so mm. um i thought of another example a very simple example so imagine a teenager named uh, you know maya who has a passion for cooking she loves experimenting with uh, different ingredients and creates unique recipes her uh, parents recognize her interest and uh, decide to support her by giving her control <laughs> over the family's weekly meal planning so maya takes in charge of researching the recipes creating shopping lists preparing the meals and in the process she not only learns how to cook but also learn a wide range of skills like time management budgeting organize uh, organizational skills creativity yeah. nutrition <laughs> knowledge adaptability and as she keeps doing this she is going to become uh, such a sharp and mindful and resourceful 
a person going forward that these skills can be applied in different areas of a life that she chooses to become her profession or a business or her ultimate passion project so this is something that i wanted to uh share with you uh, scott yeah it's, am- it's, a- this? Oh, it's amazing hey and and i mean how did uh, Arthur feel after that you know was she beaming with pride as she sort of as she delivered it to yeah. to her mom you know yeah there was a there was a spark of joy in yeah. um, that tone you know because when i treated her at par with uh with me mm. in terms of the wisdom sharing experience so she felt that um, that inner high five you know her heart and yeah. her brain gave a high five virtual yeah. high five inside inside <laughs> saying that yes your dad just treated you as an adult and you have got the permission to you know <clears throat> tell the entire story just like your dad and yeah. um, i think so that uh, that gave her a confidence that she can be uh, this person who understands and who's able to reproduce that knowledge and mm. wisdom that she learned it a few hours back so yeah yeah it's amazing man and and i i guess like were there times in your past where you know, you took full control of the situation or your mum took full control of the situation and were there any sort of areas, I guess, where you kind of noticed where Arthur was like, look, just let me do it? You know, was she kind of independent from the beginning or was she kind of relying on you guys in, in any way growing up? Uh, I mean, obviously this, she's relying on us for, yeah. for you know, fundamentals, <laughs> yeah. but I guess... But I guess in terms of you know these these sort of like projects, I guess like art projects. Yeah. Or, so these you know, uh, uh, you know these uh, uh, reliance part, which is there, I think so. It's more to do with the approval part. Mm. So uh, there is a there is there is some kind of a validation that she needs from me or uh, my wife when she does an art project, when she does a sketch, or when she does a watercolor painting. She she comes up to us and shows it and with me she knows that she's going to get the most uh, uh you know most hard hitting slap the on the face feedback because yeah. yeah because i don't i i don't beat her i don't play the kuchi kuchi kind of thing with her especially especially with uh when it comes to art so i'm like sure. uh, spot on hard on with my feedback i can't be i can't be um uh, uh you know lying to my daughter Sure, like yeah. oh wow that's great did you yes. think about adding these two things into that and then no this is not good this is good this is what is working and this is what you need to work on have you thought about it what do you think then she will she will have her own perception or her own concept about it she will shed a few tears and then when she goes back to the drawing board she comes up with a brilliant finished uh, piece so uh, like, we are that's the bouncing... what I'm talking about right there that's it and then she's like <laughs> <laughs> so we are that bouncing board or we are the bouncing wall for her where she needs to get that instant uh, reaction or instant feedback yeah. for what it is and guess what now she's so smart that she she'll <sighs> guess or she'll know that uh, whether we are uh, attentive or not when we are observing her artwork or when we are giving her a feedback or not because there are times say for example i have just finished a call or i'm sending out a email she'll come in middle of that and she'll show an art piece and i'll say yeah yeah very good she'll say acha did you even see the art <laughs> so, so she's very smart about it yeah yeah uh, so she 
she seeks that feedback and she's open to that so one thing i'm uh, grateful for is um she has learned to take uh, hard oh, feedback or criticism yeah. um with a pinch of salt uh, which which most adults she's not negative don't. about it yeah, yeah i mean that's that's great because like most adults these days if you if you work in a creative endeavor people still yeah. get their back up because someone says hey we need you to make a change here <laughs> what yeah a change yeah. Well, how dare you? You know, this is me. This is my art. You know, and so for how old is Arthur now? 11? She's 10. 10. 11? She's 10. 10. Yeah. 10. Yeah. And to be taking critical feedback from the yeah. maestro, you know what I mean? And be out and then come up <laughs> with with yeah. taking that on board and then and then going back and going, right, yeah, like, what can I do? All right, let's try this, try mm. that. Like, she's going to be way yeah. ahead of, of other people, hey, on a, in her pursuits for yeah. sure. Yeah, see, no, one, get... thing, one thing there is, Scott, like I uh, am I'm not too much worried about what profession she chooses, like whether she chooses to become a musician. She has got music in her, like when I uh, when I play some random stuff over here, when I'm composing or whatever, she she could walk into the room and she could just sing a few lines and, you know, write write the lyrics also for it. She's She's got that natural instinct. Oh, awesome. So I've not been uh, pushing her for that. Uh, since she has shown a lot of interest in arts, I'm pursuing that uh, aspect of hers, but I'm not really worried about what she'll choose in life. The only mm. thing that I am very mindful about is the the hard life concepts that I learned it uh, all along the 30 years of my creative career. Mm. I'm serving it to her in much smaller packets and yeah. in much frequent intervals yeah. so that when time comes for her to face an actual challenge, her her mindset is right there. Yeah, also. You know, she has not to think about it. She, yeah. she, she'll be okay to fail. You know, that's the thing that I'm working on. That's all. And and that's giving control, like you said. You know, you're giving yeah. control back to your, to your daughter, and and it's yeah. it's only going to reap benefits hey, in in the future. And I guess I I get caught like the reason why I asked you that question was I I kind of get caught in that spiral of trying to do things, you know, for for the kids, yeah. and then you know all I get is sort of pushback, which is good because then it just mm. says to me, hey take a step back, calm down. It doesn't matter, you know, just let yeah. your child do what they need to do. And so mm. Violet's really into art and it's mm. come a long way. Like for, she's only four and mm. she's, she's like, she's doing some really good stuff. Like, Oh, nice. And, it, and it's not that it's like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to sit there and critique it and say that, yeah, whatever, but it's, it's just something I've noticed. And, and then I'm actually looking at these pictures that she's drawing and going, wow, I actually like that. Like yesterday, she just she started drawing all these funny faces, like of Louis, and then she she went to her granddad and grandma and me, and and they were like these abstract Picasso kind of faces, you know. And then mm. I was just like, wow, this is I really like these, I really like these <laughs> things, you know. And so I just want to I just want to give her the opportunity to do that. And so yeah. for I think for her fourth birthday, Charlotte went out and bought a a, a little cart for her. And so it's got like three tiers and just filled it with all this art stuff. So paints, glue, you know, like sequence, paper, all this stuff, mm. brushes, whatnot. And she's got a little table. And so whenever, you know, whenever she needs it, she's just like, right, oh, I'm going to go to my art cart now. We're like, yep, sweet. Draw us a, draw us a picture of dad or whatever, you know, and mm. gets her out and gets her creative and, <laughs> and doing her own thing too. So it's, it's unreal. But the next thing I think Super. I'll start doing is, training myself to critique her and start giving her a bit of 
some gumption, you know. Yeah, you can you can you can start wearing some protective gear before you start giving feedback. I think so. I should. Yes. Yeah. I think I will for sure. But yeah, that was great. That's a great little lesson. Hey. Awesome. What What else do you have, Scott? Yeah. Look, I'm going to go into my topic: the wound. Okay. And so I'm I'm kind of I'm I'm carrying on slightly from this sleep training because it's got a lot to do with that, and I think this is I want your perspective on this too, because I think this is very interesting um, and to hear it from different cultural um, upbringings and backgrounds, I think will be really good. And so the wound, right? And so um, today, actually not today, uh, a couple of days ago, I was introduced to this this guy named Gabor Mate, which um, you're aware of, and I'm not sure if Mm. our listeners are, but I've only, I've only seen him for a couple of days, right? And so a good mate of mine, um, he sent me a few links to this to this guy, and so basically, Gabor is was born in Budapest in 1944, and he says like a couple of like a couple of months before the Nazis invaded his country, and so basically his grandparents were taken when he was like five months old to Auschwitz concentration camp, and they were murdered, um, and then his dad was sent to forced labor, um, and so his mum. Basically, they fled. I think they, I think, I think they stayed in Hungary. Don't don't quote me. I think they stayed in Hungary until fifty six, after the um, the whole Stalin war and whatnot. And so they fled uh, that country. And he now lives. He, they went to um, Canada, where he now lives. Um, and so he got into mm. medical school, um, into palliative care, and that kind of stuff. And then he really sort of built his methodology and his sort of. Um, what he talks about through his learnings, through his life suffering, his trauma, so his trauma, um, and that's where the wound comes into this. So he, the wound is a traumatic experience in your past, and it's predominantly, it's predominantly in your childhood is what he talks about. So there's all these links mm. between illness and mental illness and disease in the body from childhood trauma that hasn't been addressed, and so. What he talks about too um, is basically this is why it kind of got me thinking. It was quite challenging to to listen to this, uh, especially just as I'd finished the sleep training right with Louis. Mm. And he he basically talks about basically a wound is uh, wound is trauma, like I was saying, right, which leaves a psychological imprint in your mind and body. And he's of the thinking too that the mind and body are one. And so any sort of trauma to the mind or the body is inflicting, you know, is going, is, is hurting the immune system. Um, and so it's leaving yeah. an imprint, which leads to disease and weakening and stuff like this, right? And so he talks about the four fundamental needs of a child, right? And so he's saying, one, the children are born with the need for unconditional attachment, acceptance and love, you know, the need yeah. to be held. Um, and there's basically nothing that a child should have to do. This is number two. There's nothing a child should have to do to make the relationship work with your parent. There's nothing. Mm. There's no conditions. There's nothing. Yeah. Um, and they don't have to look a certain way. They don't have to act a certain way. They don't have to be a certain way, right? And then three is the capacity to experience all their emotions. So all their emotions in a healthy way. Mm. And then four was the need for spontaneous play. And so, 
you know, he talks about the big T's and the little T's. So the big T's are like things like, you know, environmental disasters like a tsunami or cyclones and stuff like that that leave um, imprints, you know, neglect, abuse, um, you know, these kind of things like a, a parental figure leaving or, or dying or something like that. But then there's these little T's that he talks about which have the same effect. And so a little T can be things like um, letting your children cry out is what he said. So for the last hundred years, we've been taught that letting your children cry it out is the best way to sort of help them in certain areas. But he said what what happens is there's this child has this innate biological need to attach to a parent. It's, it's just mm. if they don't attach to a parent and the parent doesn't attach to a child, life can't exist, right? And so once you once you start to like if a child is crying out for something they they need you they need the parent they're calling for the parent they need that hug or they need to be held and they need to be tended to and so he's saying what can happen is psychological traumas can happen when this need isn't met and for me i was like when i was listening to it, i was like oh, man like i kind of felt guilt and shame because i'd just been through this with louis and and you know he was crying crying a lot like I mm. said, it was quite hard, you know, to, to sit there and listen to him cry. And, and, and in a way, I'm just sort of like, look, this is kind of, this is the best thing for the family, you know. But then hearing what Gabor was saying, you know, I'm like, man, this is guilt. This is shame. But I guess after sort of, you know, sitting with it for a while, I've just kind of gone, look, there's, there's no need to feel guilt or shame because this mm. also adds to this 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 whole traumatic experience so he he talks to about once we have a traumatic experience it's not necessarily that the experience that is i guess the um the major driving force it's more the perception that we have of that trauma so the trauma happens inside us not to us and so this guy's you know he's been you know he's been through the nazis and he's he's had death and he's you know, he's a major trauma and he went through his whole life and not until he was 70, he came to the realization that it's actually me. It's not, it's not these traumas that have happened to me. It's my perception of these traumas and how, how much a victim I am of these circumstances that have brought this whole life of trauma, basically and this mm. whole life of hurt and whatnot to, to me. And so, he was able to sort of compassionately look inside and let things go, you know, like get straight into that wound because once we're wounded, we try to protect that wound with everything, right? And mm. so, you know, we, we build this scar tissue up around that wound to protect ourselves because we don't, we don't want to be vulnerable. We don't want to be hurt. And, and it reminds me of a couple, a couple of episodes ago when, you know, we started chatting and I was talking and then suddenly I broke down, but I kind of, in a way, I was like protecting myself there because I didn't want to be too vulnerable on here. I didn't want to like cry it out and all this kind of stuff, you know. So for me, there's there's work in that too. And, and I think that's the work of everybody to go deep into those traumatic experiences and say, okay, what is this? What's going on here, you know, and, and how can I release this? Like looking at it from that compassionate viewpoint because also Gabor, he mentions a really poignant, thing here where he says once you reconnect with your authentic self medical conditions can abate or even remit and so once 
once you do the work to inquire into, okay, what is that? What's going on here? You know, like, okay. And then you can start to see patterns throughout your life. Suddenly you start to release these things that were, were holding you captive, you know? And so for me, I've done a lot of work around looking at my childhood and my upbringing and it, and it wasn't in any way, I, I wouldn't say it was neglectful. It wasn't this, or there was no abuse. There was nothing. I, I, for me, I would say I had a really nice upbringing, but there's, but that mm. doesn't necessarily mean that there's no, psychological trauma in that and so i've done the work around looking at okay i'm the youngest of four boys um and everything was kind of done for me you know i'm the youngest oh, let's let's do this for scotty like poor scotty let's do this you know he's young don't pick on him blah 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 and that kind of reinforced a lot through my life because there was competition with me and my brothers you know and there's this this kind of i've, I've taken that forward into my work and even so where i can see I've been challenged in the past for wanting to be independent, but having certain people act out that role of what happened in that scenario where it's like, we'll take care of this for you. You don't need to do anything. We'll do it. But I'm like, I want to do it. I want that independence. I want, I want to show who I am, you know, and, and even in my work, it wasn't until last year where I got the opportunity to get out and take another contract and yeah, work on my own that I started, I was thriving in it. You know, I was really thriving in this area where I had my, I was being heard, you know, I was coming up with concepts and working with teams, but finally I felt like I was free because I had this opportunity to, I guess, be out on my own and, and work on my own and contribute because I had all these things inside me. I can contribute like, look, you know, like I'm doing this, I've, I've come up with this and it's working, you know? And so, that I guess looking back for me, that's that's a time in my life where I can say, okay, that's kind of I can trace that back to my my upbringing, where it was kind of like we'll do everything for you, like you said before, giving control. It was in a way, mum was kind of controlling things for me because yeah, out of love and mm. and out of not wanting to hurt me, but in the end, it kind of led to me resisting and 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 I guess um, what's the word? No, yeah, I guess it's resisting. I, I was getting resentful as well and resisting because I had something to give and, and I had something to be heard about, you know. I, and so, yeah, it's a really, really interesting field that Gabor is in and he talks about. Um, and so, yeah, I just want to hear from your perspective um, on, on what you think of it. And I guess particularly around that link between the sleep training and you know, these four fundamental needs of a child, you know, what, what are your thoughts on that? So, uh, I have been, uh, following Gabor's, uh, Gabor's work for, uh, quite some time. In fact, just last week when we were having, a, um, uh, you know, get together with, uh, our cousins, uh, Gabor's name came up because he's he's now suddenly becoming relevant in many of the houses because of the conflicts, because of the trauma, because of the suffering, because of a lot of, um, you know, turbulences that families are facing today. Um, Scott, I have just one thing for you to say is in this entire process, the one word that you have to practice or that we have to practice, when I'm saying you, it it's looping back mm. to me. It's, it's echoing sure. back to me too. Yeah, uh, and the same goes for listeners. Also, one thing you have to practice is the art of detachment. 
and this same gabor mate who goes on to speak so much about the parenting there are sections in which he talks about detached parenting also mm. so you have to be detached with your child emotionally you have to be detached with yourself emotionally you have to be detached with your spouse emotionally and what do i mean by that it is not it does not mean that literally uh, you know emotionally detached it means that do not mess around their misery their thoughts what they are going through and take it upon yourself and mix it with your own perception of that mm. misery because you are already in a troubled state whether you know it or you don't know it mm. Mm. right and it only comes up to surface when you see someone else's misery right you only are made to realize what suffering you're going through or what your perception is or what your um, concept of life is when you see someone else going through uh, uh, the same thing um if not worse right so yeah, yeah the thing that we all have to learn is the concept of uh, uh, detachment for everyone the concept of detachment is going to be different just like our breath just like the way we breathe we have got our own breathing patterns yeah uh, we... just last week uh, like i told you in 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 the uh, uh, gathering that we had i do explain breath work in the most sim- simplest of terms so when i was explaining that i said okay i can hold my breath for like 30 seconds like or 35 seconds can you hold it you won't be able to hold it right you might be able to hold it for 15 seconds today but if you keep mm. practicing it you might be able to hold it for 60 seconds and i will be still stuck in 30 seconds so i have <laughs> to keep keep pushing my breath work even more to hold it a bit more longer so just like how our breath works Mm-hmm. and how we uh, have got a different heartbeat we have got a different tune in ourselves just as the same way the concept of detachment should be uh, understood and practiced by each one of us in everyday life so one of the best examples that you just shared at the starting of this uh, episode is even though your kid was crying his lungs out you had to stay away from the child mm you couldn't resist the desire to go and hold the child or go and pick the child but if that is what is good for the child that is what is good for the child right mm, mm. now our our problem in life is also this that we tend to hear from too many masters too yeah, many yeah. people who are experts in too many niches so yep. we take five pieces of wisdom from sage or monk a we take five pieces of wisdom from monk b we take mm. two pieces of wisdom from our parents we take two pieces of wisdom from our colleagues we mix them all into this ball of mess and then we keep yeah. bouncing it all yeah that's so life. true isn't it so that so is true. that is something completely our choice we yeah. can uh what do you say insulate ourselves in such a way that we do not allow certain things to be influenced in our life yeah i'm not saying that you should not hear to certain kind of people or only hear to certain kind of people that choice is up mm. to you but yeah. when you hear it when you hear a certain piece of wisdom make it a point to practice it from step 0 to step 100 in completion 
yeah as suggested or as prescribed or as advised by that person who has taken time to share that wisdom with you what what we do is that we give up at step 3 say oh it's not working you yeah. know what rubbish he's talking about i'm not able to get from step 3 to step 4 and he's talking about step 100 this is not mm. good let's find another one <laughs> yeah, so another yeah. one will another one will share that same wisdom but he'll share in seven steps and you'll believe oh this one is the best one because he shared only seven steps i'm going to try this that will also not go <laughs> yeah. so so yeah. the point is totally again again uh well, first thing is practice detachment second one is um you know follow the wisdom of one person apply it thoroughly analyze it how it is responding to your uh to your inner being to your physical being and then take a call on what do you want to do next like in yeah. um yeah. like in indian medicinal practice there's a uh, there's a division called as ayurveda you would have heard about ayurveda so yeah. ayurveda the medicines of ayurveda are herbal and you know it's it's of a different kind it's not the uh, typical allopathic uh, kind of route it's more to do with natural herbs and all that stuff yeah there's yeah. half of the world who believes that's good half of the world believes that is scam yeah but sure. the, the, i would like to take the 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 core essence of ayurveda ayurveda when you start taking any medicines for any illness that you're having when you start taking medicines of ayurveda you know what is the first thing that happens scott the first thing that happens is you won't find relief it will not give you relief it will bring out even more misery so right, say for yeah. example if you're having arthritis and you're having joint pain the doctors will give you medicines you start taking the medicines in the first few days your joints will ache and pain and you'll be in a miserable state but that lasts for 4 or 5 days after 5 days that medicine truly starts showing effect because the concept of ayurveda i'm i'm giving you a basic layman concept yeah yeah okay? sure yeah, so yeah. the the concept of uh, the concept of ayurveda is this that it first detoxes your body so as something is detoxing from your body it flushes out all the unwanted things and when something is unwanted and it gets out of your body or gets out of your home it becomes stinky it becomes painful to be around right so you you should sure. have the patience to withstand that misery and after yep. that you receive the goodness so mm. here's the last thing that i would like to uh leave you with scott see in in japanese concept there's this thing called as kitsungi right so kitsungi is the art of repairing broken pottery or broken vessels or cups or whatever and how they repair it is by putting glue mixing glue with gold silver or other precious metals so the technique in kitsungi is this that it emphasizes the beauty of imperfections yeah yeah, yeah and cool. the philosophy of kitsungi is such that you have to embrace your flaws and more importantly enjoy the beauty of the process of repair mm. so this is this has to be the mission of a life understand where you're flawed fix it with a gold lacquer or golden glue and enjoy the process of fixing and show up as a as a kitsungi broken pottery you know show up in the world that way yeah, and yeah, love yeah. being yourself yeah, yeah that is beautiful. what i have to leave you with beautiful yeah that that's that puts it exactly right and just to go back to where you said you know like so many people are grabbing bits and pieces of the masters and stuff like that's exactly what happened with me where i was like 
listening to it and then suddenly the guilt and the shame comes up, you know. It's like, oh, maybe I should be doing this. But it's like, hang on, calm down. It's all good. Like what what we did is for my family and for us and that's okay and I own that, you know. And so he does have these good, um, you know, I guess sections about in particular, like I guess the culture of today and whatnot. And so, you know, parents having to go back to work early and sort of, you know, the, the dysfunct of the, the community, you know, around. And so, you know, I, I tend to agree with that. Whereas, like I said, in our situation, we sort of don't have that close knit community. You know, we, we do have the grandparents that come around, you know, every now and then and help out when we ask them to, but it'd be great if we could have them, if we didn't have to ask them to, and mm. you know, it'd be great if we had like, you know, a closer kind of um, bond, I guess, with our kids and whatnot. But hey, look, it is what it is. Um, but yeah, I do believe that, you know, this sort of unnatural way of having to go back to work early and then sending your kids to daycare and then they looked after by the daycare people. And yeah, Gabor talks about there runs a risk of, you know, the kids attaching to other kids. Yeah, because yeah, some parents are sending their kids back to to um, or sending their kids to daycare after two weeks and going back to work, you know. So it's crazy, hmm. but I guess it just it all comes back to you and, and and your needs and and what you need in life, I guess, as well. And so yeah, in simple yeah. words, Scott, just just make it fun. Okay, it might yeah. be the most uh, traumatizing thing for you. It might be the most toughest thing for you. It might be the most toughest thing for your child. But what can you do to neutralize that situation and make it fun? Mm. Mm. You know, without negating that this is a tough decision, without denying yeah, yeah. that it is a tough decision, what can you do to make it fun? Take it mm. light, because what we are we we are on this um, uh, earth for like thirty years of our parenting uh, years, right? Or thirty or forty years, right? yeah, depending yeah. on when you have a child. Thirty or forty years—that's that's like four decades. Right, four decades. So you have got four decades of choices to make. Maybe let your first decade be the miserable one because uh, you're just starting out. You were never a parent before, uh, before these yeah. decades. So you make all the blunders, make all the mistakes you have in the first decade, and the coming three decades just have fun. That's all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, well said, well said. Yeah. Well, what do you got next for us, Prashant? I think so. We are running out of time. We're running Scott. late. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, yes. no, they, we we are hitting the it's been an hour. Yes, it's flown and we, by, and and we hit uh, pretty uh, good concepts today. I think yeah. so. Uh, a lot of good wisdom about uh, sleep, about control, and um, you know about attachment, 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 yeah, yeah. and uh, the legend uh, Gabor Mate. Um, mm. all these materials are from our own lessons, learnings and uh, experiences. Uh, take these nuggets of wisdom and these uh, pieces of advice with a pinch of salt. Mm. Um, exactly. Put in your seasoning, put in yes. your seasoning, put in your meat, put in your herbs, make it your own. <laughs> um, and uh, may, may this, uh, you know, may this episode bring a little bit of uh, joy, a little bit of insight uh, a little bit of alignment in your day-to-day uh, -day life. Thank you, Scott, for all the amazing stories you had for me. Thank you, Prashant, and thanks for listening, guys, and join us for some more amazing stories, tales of woe and wisdom. Absolutely. See you soon. Bye. Ciao.